Kaze, and I'm here, as always, with my the host, sign of Zeta. the sign of Zeta. In case you didn't know where the Zetas were located, please reference the sign. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'll have to add a laugh track there. <laughs> you never add now. anything that you promised you're going to add. You're always like, oh, I'm going to add that in post. The users have yet to have anything actually added. There's a lot of empty promises. Oh, no, I put some Inca music in that one episode. <laughs> that went over really big. Oh, yeah, that was huge. Huge. <laughs> so, anyway, we're here to be the fearless anime video games <laughs> lifestyle podcast where we cover anime and video games and never get sponsored by anyone because <laughs> we're so underground. You know, good enough, man. Like, if we were in a movie, we would have, like, goggles on our heads and, like, black leather and dreadlocks because we're so underground. No. We'd no. be dancing to... Absolutely not. Do not techno... make parallels of that nation notion whatsoever. <laughs> techno remixes of white zombie songs. That's how no. you know we're underground. Hollywood underground. I'm afraid. I hope we're way more underground than that. Because <laughs> I saw that on TBS the other day. I know. Every time, though, they show, like, counterculture people in Hollywood movies, that's what they look like. Goggles. Oh, oh yeah. I see what you're saying. Like Tim Burton. You have to have goggles <sighs> on your head, like... You know, Johnny Mnemonic yeah. or The Matrix or, you know, Hackers or any any movie like that where there's like a elite underground, they're always wearing trench coats and goggles. I don't know why. I don't Mama, know what the goggles Mama's are protecting boy. them for. High speed <laughs> press releases. <laughs> I have dry eyes. <laughs> don't mock me. Uh, so the goggle-wearing constituency of Game Face Radio is just disconnected. Click. Fuck them. All right, so. Like dandruff off my shoulder. Now that you guys have your trench coats <laughs> on, we're going to talk, as always, first and foremost, about what you've been playing. Oh, um, I got a PS2. <laughs> Welcome to the 90s. Wait, okay, for reference, right? this is this episode is two nine two thousand eight. In case I didn't mention at the top of the show, you've not hit a time warp. <laughs> uh, well, I have actually kind of hit a time warp because of the fact that like now I've had a, I've had this like this pile of PS two games building up for. I mean, the first PS two game I bought was like four years ago, so it's just kind of. You know, it's not like normally when you buy a machine. When you buy any machine, usually. Uh, this has kind of changed since the Dreamcast came out, but usually when you buy any machine, there's just a few games to choose from, and they're all shit. Uh, but you're so impressed with the machine that you don't care. You know, this, I'm having the opposite effect here, because now all the good stuff is out, and the PS2 is easily the most well-rounded machine out there, just because it has nine bazillion games. No other reason. The hardware is garbage. But the game selection is fantastic, so... Yeah, I think these guys know what the PS2 is. You can yeah. go ahead and go on. No, they don't. They've forgotten because they'll <laughs> have 360s. They don't know what it's like to be able to, like... They're PS3s. They don't know what it's like to be able to just go into and buy any kind of game you can imagine. Um, but anyway, I've been playing uh, Charo-Q, which we've covered here before. Car PG, as they call it. Like Animal Crossing with cars, pretty much. Um, a bunch of SNK stuff because 
SNK is going through one of those phases. Like it seems like they go through phases where they don't release anything in the U.S. for like five years, and then they then all of a sudden they'll come back and put out a bunch of stuff, and then they'll just disappear for a while, and there'll be a bunch of Japanese-only releases. And a bunch right of 3D now, stuff. Well, um, I did buy a 3D game from them. <laughs> First 3D uh, SNK game I've ever owned, I'm pretty sure. Uh, that would be called uh, King of Fighters 2006, but since there is no 2006, that's kind of a U.S. only name for Maximum Impact 2. And the first one came out here as Maximum Impact, but for Maximum Impact 2, they decided to call it 2006. Well, if you want to buy like SNK uh, games for the PS2, I know KB Toy Stores certainly have them for cheap. I'm amazed there are still KB Toy Stores. Yeah, they're everywhere. Oh, okay. A lot of them closed down. Oh, well, the ones that exist have SNK games for the PS2. Yeah, well, they've, they're, they're, a lot of them are really cheap. Like, just before Christmas, a bunch came out. Um, King of Fighters Eleven, Neo Geo Battle Coliseum. And then also there have been the uh, Fatal Fury Battle Archives, the Art of Fighting Collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Those I'll, are the and, ones I've seen everywhere. And they're like 10 bucks, which is <laughs> pretty damn cheap for... Uh, now, those, the Art of Fighting Collection and the Fatal Fury Collection, to be fair, those are pretty crusty games. And I personally don't ever play those games. But there's, the next Fatal Fury Collection coming out is going to have Real Bout, Real Bout Special, and Real Bout 2. And that's really good because Real Bout 2 has never had a console release other than Neo Geo. And I really like that one a lot. It has really fluid animation and everything. They're also coming out with uh, SNK Arca uh, Arcade Archive or something like that. And it has like a dozen games on it magician lord and maybe top hunter and a bunch of that stuff from the early neo geo days which is pretty nice i think which i would I... like a collection that was like kof 95 97 maybe i don't know one of the fatal furies and that'd be it that'd be that's all i need from snk well i think that um that first that arcade collection thing which is a u.s only deal for now um i think like fatal fury one is on there and maybe some other fighting game but the way they released the KOFs in Japan on PS2 was they had like 94 got like a super hopped up remix treatment or like with like higher definition sprites and a bunch of special modes and then they released 95 96 97 I think as a pack and and then I think they released 99 I don't know they released it like in weird chunks but they kept 94 out of it and I think they kept 98 out of it because 98 so popular they didn't want to throw it in with anything else and give you a good deal you know, they want to ransom it and in fact with in weird weirdness uh kof 98 is being re-released to arcades in japan as i can't remember what they're calling it kof 98 ultimate or something like that it runs must on a title uh, type x must be really cool to have arcades still wonder what that's yeah like. that would be freaking amazing yeah <laughs> all right so what else have you been doing um oh also playing uh KOF 11 and Neo Geo Battle Coliseum, both of which are great. And uh, I've been watching some live-action versions of anime shows. Uh -oh. uh, Cutie Honey the Live. Live-action Cutie Honey. Um, uh, it's pretty much... Uh, crap? TV and, well, <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's great or anything, but it, it's a live-action TV show. It's not a movie like the what's the Keiko Common movies it's not like that which are ultra seedy and crappy the, isn't this is she like, naked isn't that what Keiko Common is yeah yeah it's a weird scenario 
But anyway, Kitty on the Live is more like a Power Ranger show. And it has uh, the Japan action stunt team or whatever, you know. So it has like some relatively decent martial arts, faux martial arts st- stunts in it, you know. Little, fa- little fantastic, but still uh, very impressive at times. Um, it's pretty nice. Uh, still has the same Cutie Honey theme song. <laughs> Different version, of course. It's not the greatest show, but it, it might be worth a try if you like that sort of thing. Um, also, the... Uh, what else? Oh, Gokusen, which I think was animated. but Yeah, it was a manga. It's been live action, and I'm pretty sure it's been animated. It is a story about a... Um, it's comedy about a woman who is in line to be like this great Yakuza leader and her family, but she doesn't want to do that. She wants to be a school teacher. So she goes to school and this school is run by assholes and they make, they put her in charge of the thuggiest class in the entire world. Okay. Of course. Cause there's a lot of thugs. There's just a, yeah, they're really, there's just total thugs. You know, they all chew on a, on a piece of straw or something all day. Stop stewing on that stop oh, straw, you delinquent. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, so that's an interesting combination, though, because she looks so meek and helpless or anything, but she has this Yakuza side that comes out and whips things into shape. And if you're thinking this is kind of like GTO, well, it kind of is like GTO, but it's, it is different enough. Is um, it worse? <laughs> like, GTO is good. GTO is good, yeah. But this is, well, because of the, this is being the live-action one, it's just so much different. And once the plot gets a little bit more developed, you get past the idea that this is kind of like GTO. Well, it can't be worse than the GTO live-action movie. I mean, I watched that on the plane flight home from Japan because they actually subtitled it, which was nice. And, uh, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really great. It's okay when you're trapped on a plane for 14 hours, but I wouldn't recommend it most other times. <laughs> this this is relatively good. Um, I would I'd recommend checking it out. I actually got really into it. I haven't watched more than like four episodes, but it, it gets interesting pretty early on. Um, I think that's about all I've got to say about that one. Anything uh, else? Oh, um... Towards the end of the last episode, I mentioned that Card Fighters 2 for Neo Geo Pocket was being translated, fan translated by Flavor, and that translation is more or less done. Um, so does that it, take place like after the current DS one we have here, or like is it, well, is it newer and better, or what is it? No, no, this was the second one for Neo Geo Pocket. The DS oh, one okay, came out okay. way later, and everybody hates it. Yeah, it so, is. It's bad. Th- it's really bad. Yeah. So this is kind of like something that a lot of people really wanted. It's off and on again the most expensive Neo Geo Pocket game to own, and it was only released in Japanese. So it's kind of something that a lot of people feel like, geez, I really would like to be able to play that because they love the first one. Like, yeah. People get obsessed about the first one. Well, this one now has been all the uh, story text and menus and everything has been inserted in English. It runs that way. It's missing the flavor text on the cards, you know, that doesn't have no. anything to do with gameplay. But um, that's something that he had to make extra room in the ROM because it, English takes up so much more space than Japanese. And that's been done. And so now the game is like basically done. 
but it'll probably come out again with the flavor text inserted in it. Um, the interesting thing is, I believe there is a Neo Geo Pocket emulator for DS, and I think he wrote it. I'm not sure, but anyway, there's a video on the website uh, of Card Fighters 2 running on a DS, Uh-oh. which is what most people really, really, really want because getting a Neo Geo Pocket Flash card is is very hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, if you I didn't know see, about this. I love yeah, this news. This is a recent development there. Um, oh, I can play Match Millennium again. Fuck yeah. <laughs> well, you can play this, which is cool, you know. Yeah, this is cool uh, too, but I do love Go Match to uh, cfc2english.blogspot.com and you can see the video. Now, as far as getting a hold of the ROM translated, it's kind of like the usual thing. Like, he's only going to release a patch, of course because that's legal and then you're going to have to find the ROM and patch it or probably find a translated ROM somewhere on some forums, some ROM site. Eventually that'll be what you do. I would be willing to bet a good part of the GF army are the kind of people that have done just that sort of thing before. Uh, Probably, yeah. Well, a lot of people are used to just being able to find the translated ROM. I've always had to patch it myself with the IPS thing and Mm -hmm. I've done that more times than I care to recall. It's not really hard at all. Anyone with no, no, Monaco no. skills can do it. If you can't do it, then you need to go down to the store and <laughs> pay sixty dollars <laughs> for every game you play. <laughs> it's about as hard to do as getting a hold of Game Face Radio and listening to it. Really, it's about it the same is, level yeah. of difficulty. Well, the instructions are a little. Anyway, yeah, it's no difficult. It's not difficult. Okay, so that's all you've been doing. Then I'm gonna take the reins, for I have okay. content to drop. Are you ready? I'm dropping. That's what I miss about the 90s. You used to be able to drop science and drop English, and now you can't really drop anything. It's kind of lame. I miss dropping it. But I'm going to drop the best anime I have seen in five years, at least. Uh, I have not been just gripped like in my tracks by a show in quite a while. And I have to say that this is completely written for adults from an adult perspective. I like it much better than Haruhi. I like it better than everything else I've seen lately. And you've already heard of it, and probably most of you have seen it. It's called Death Note, and it's fantastic. If you mm-hmm. have not seen Death Note, the premise is pretty simple. Uh, essentially, a guy finds a notebook that when you write the names of people in it and imagine their faces, they die. And you have a certain amount of control over how they die and what they do when they die depending on what you write in the notebook. There's like a bunch of rules that govern this. And the guy that finds it is really, really smart. And he decides that he's going to set himself up as the new god by killing all evil people he can ever find out the names and faces of. So he immediately just goes online and kills, like, you know, a thousand criminals in one day. And he kills them all by heart attack. So the the police immediately recognize that someone is responsible. And essentially he is being hunted by a, like, really clever... FBI agent who's only known as L and the story devolves into a very like detective-y, cat and mouse kind of sequence between the main character and this L guy as they each try to 
figure out who the other one is and you know obviously the main character wants to find out his face and name and kill him and L wants to find him out and bring him to justice and it's it's an awesome dance of suspense and it's incredibly clever like most of the time you're watching an anime and the characters are dumber than you you know yeah, like yeah, you you come to conclusions much quicker like you're watching Haruhi and you've got you know what's going on figured out way ahead of the main character figuring it out you know he's way behind you at all times he is not up to where you're at Death Note is one of the very few anime I've seen where the characters are actually smart they're very very intelligent they come up with things that you wouldn't have thought of to do but since the kind of the rules of everything are laid out in front of you and it takes place in the real world you should have been able to come to that conclusion too like, it's not like, oh, I didn't know that there was a miracle, you know, super key blast that you could bust out. No, it's not like that. It's stuff that you could have thought of. You know, it's trickery, it's it's suspense, it's intelligence, and it's, it's a great detective story. And it's absolutely fantastic. It's short. It has a definitive beginning and end. And I have it's no beef with short. it at all. It's only like 50 episodes or something. That's not short. For a TV series, it is. Not really. 13 is short for a TV series. No. No. Harui's 13. Yeah, but that was like... That's only the first part. There will be much more, I'm sure. Given its popularity. I'm saying, like, you know, it's nice that 50 episodes you can easily clear in two weeks. You know? It's not going to take up your life. Well, it's nice that it has life. an end. Because it shows that never end. Only And they only end when they get unpopular. Well, they get unpopular because people are fucking sick of it. <laughs> and why Actually, would you drive no, I, a show until people get sick of it? I take it back. I think there's only 37 episodes. I think it's three seasons. And that's really short compared to the stuff I'm used to. You know, like, I'm in the last season of Sopranos. I'm, you know, in the fourth season of Lost, the third season of Prison Break. You know, I've seen, like, all four seasons of Naruto and Bleach. And, like, you know, I'm used to series being much, much, much longer. So 30-something episodes, not long. And a lot fucking happens. A lot, a lot. So Death Note is truly one of the greatest anime of this century. And since Zayda never watches anything from this century, you might want to give it a shot. Because it's very, very intelligent. Let it let it get rolling, you know, and try to get through five episodes and see if it doesn't just completely hook you like it did me. Well, the thing is, I started watching a couple episodes of it, and I thought that that one dude looked like he should be wearing goggles. <laughs> L? So, and that just turned me off completely. Oh, whatever. You're much <laughs> weirder characters in the shit that we've watched. Yeah, that's true. Remember yeah, well, Mr. he actually looked like a Guilty Gear character. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Mr. Popo from Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> He's not that bad. I, I still this day don't know what Mr. Popo was supposed to be, like... Are you an alien? Are you just a really racist depiction of a black guy? I can't tell. Uh, both. I mean, that's the way it worked with the 80s manga, you know? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I never quite got whether or not he was some kind of alien or otherworldly spirit or if he was just a regular black guy. <laughs> I could never figure it out. Well, it's kind of probably both because, you know, Takara, the toy company, their logo used to have that, like, Jigaboo octopus for their mascot <laughs> for the longest time. And it was relatively popular, like, there you could buy dolls of it, this octopus and everything. And uh, th they eventually um, got rid of it. I mean, they don't use it anymore. They have a different logo. 
But they used it up to like the all the way up to the late '80s, I think. If you guys know what Mr. Popo is, all you need to do is go to GameFaceRadio.com, go to the blog, and, and let me know, because I would like to know what Mr. Popo is. <laughs> Alright, uh, the next show I've been watching is D. Gray Man, which is like a completely fucked up name, considering mm-hmm. the main character's name is not D. Gray Man. You know, his name is not Donald Gray Man or anything. <laughs> his name is Alan Walker. Calling the show A Walker would have been kind of interesting. Yeah, but doesn't isn't that like his job or something? He's an exorcist or something. He's an exorcist, which still isn't called a gray man. Like yeah, I don't okay. know what the fuck the name is. It'll from. it'll show up later. Yeah, I'm... you know, in Zeta Gundam, the Zeta Gundam didn't show up until episode um, twenty-seven or something like that. I'm on episode twenty-nine, I think, and I still don't know what that means. So hmm. they really don't reveal it. Uh, D. Gray Man is a story of basically there's a certain amount of fragments of power in the world called innocence and if the demons manage to destroy them all then they can run havoc on our world if we get them all we win and in the meantime when people die a guy shows up and asks them if they would like to bring the person back to life if they say yes he brings the person back to life into like this horrific skeleton body and then he commands the horrific skeleton to kill the person that called him back to life and, and take their form. other people <laughs> well they, they they jump into your skin essentially so if you called back a, a dead relative the dead relative would take over this hideous skeleton kill you and assume your form so everyone would think that chad is still alive but actually there's this thing inside you that's going to kill people so that's kind of the insidious nature of the bad guys. They use human grief to increase their numbers. And it, it works so consistently. So the exorcists walk around and try to defeat it. Now it sounds really, really cliche and shonen. You know, like it's like, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. expecting lots of, you know. A lot of those Yu-Gi-Oh speeches explaining to you the system of, Magic or reality yeah, or physics like, or whatever that are unique to the show. Yeah, like I hate that crap. I expected that coming in, and I've been pleasantly surprised at the sort of like unique spin and and depth to the Gray Man. Like they they've given every chance to pick the conventional like I'm gonna do this like everyone else has done, and they don't. They don't make a lot of real typical choices with the characters, you know. Like, the useless girl character in every shonen anime that's there to, like, you know, get captured and plead to the hero for help. Like, she's indie Gray Man, but, like, at one point she, you know, kind of takes the main character aside. She's like, look, you know, I don't think you respect me as an equal. Like, you keep throwing yourself out as kind of the main guy in our battles, and I think it's, it's selfish of you to do that and not treat me like an equal member of the team. Like, that doesn't happen in fucking any other anime I've ever seen, ever. <laughs> you know? The girl never, like, has a reasonable conversation with the man about him jumping out and going, Rah! and then taking out the bad guys, you know? So, I thought that was cool. Like, that, that shows you there's a little bit of maturity in the writing of D. Grayman that a lot of other shonen animes lack. Um, I'm, I'm still going through it. I'm still enjoying it thus far. It is, like I said, it's a little typical, but it's got its own unique spin and way of telling the story that 
I must admit, has me pretty addicted to it. So, I haven't finished that one yet, but I would recommend it to, you know, any other Shonen watchers. If, you know, you can sit through Yu Hawk Show and Flame of Rekka and all that stuff, there's no reason why you wouldn't like D. Greyman as well. Actually, if you like Yu Yu, um, you probably like Gokusen. Because it has a similar angle with uh, asshole teachers. Like, kicking the Bosuzoku when they're down. <laughs> Keeping them down, you know. <laughs> it's very so it has that same sort of vibe you know like you know how like uh what's the tall redheaded guy's name in Yu Yu Kuwabara yeah yeah like if you like Kuwabara as a character you probably would like Gokusen live action or otherwise in general and if you don't like Kuwabara as a character you're, you're not human <laughs> yeah, that guy's awesome <laughs> <laughs> exactly you're not human um so yeah, I also toss out a retro recommendation for you, Hawk Show, at least up through the Dark Tournament arc. After that, it gets a little unwatchable. Um, <laughs> Alright, to get off the anime tip now and cover the video games half of things, uh, since last show, I mean, I did wind up clearing Mass Effect. It was just as awesome as I said. It has one of the most satisfying endings of any game in numerous years. It's fantastic. Mass Effect, great game. Um... I went back, started playing some more Zack and Wiki. This game is now $30 at Circuit City. That's a Wii game, isn't it? Yes, it is a Wii okay. game. The Wii actually got turned on for the mm. first time in 45 days or something. Which is nice about the Wii, because you can check that easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, when was the last time I actually touched this piece of days. shit? <laughs> so, yeah, Zack and Wiki is a good game. Um, it... You know, it's been lauded by all the critics for making great use of the Wii controls, and I just thought I'd mention it again since it is only 30 bucks. You could be enjoying it. If you really want your Wii to do something fun, Zack and Wiki is there. It has kind of a One Piece vibe. Like, if you're a fan of One Piece, you'll you'll dig the vibe of Zack and Wiki, the kind of goofy, anime pirate-esque looks to things. Um, and, I mean, it's made by Capcom, so it's, it's a good game. You check it out. It's fun. It'll really, you know, puzzle your brain. And it's really good for when you're taking, like, hand pain breaks from other more intense games. Like the other game I got, which is Guitar Hero 3. Uh, I used my free game site to grab Guitar Hero 3. And I've been playing through that. And much like all other music games ever, you know, like, I got to the, you know, through medium mode and... It was time to switch to hard, and I really struggled. And then I had that epiphany that happens to music gamers. Where you just like, start kicking ass. Yeah, where you just... <laughs> I went in literally two days. I went from having only two hard songs beat to 22. Beat 20 songs in two days. And it just, it just all of a sudden I got hard mode ability. It just unlocked it. <laughs> so... I've been playing through that. Um, I, I did have some experience with Rock Band. I actually had, you know, four friends over playing all the instruments. It was a good night. So if you were going to buy one, I would tell you still to get Rock Band. I like the character customization. I like the online content. And, of course, I like playing the drums. And it was just a, it's a better game in every way. It is. Guitar Hero is harder, but Rock Band is more satisfying of an experience. So that's pretty actually that's a good if um if um if the one's easier and is still more satisfying because usually the most problems with beat games is if they're not hard enough. They're boring as fuck. 
and they have to be really hard because you just get better and better and better at it. Well, there is still expert mode on Rock Band. It's still quite tough, especially the drums. See, the thing with Rock Band is, let's say you have Master Guitar, those skills don't port to the drums. That's a new set of skills. You got to start all over again. You know, then once you got that down, then you can, you know, do all the expert bass tracks. And okay, you've you've done all that, then you can work on your vocals. You know, like it, there's a lot to do there. And there's a whole lot of downloadable content for Rock Band. So it's gonna, it's one of those games that will keep you busy for a long time. But the initial investment is too high. I would wait for the prices to come down or to eBay or the drums are coming out February 16th separately. So if you can find a way to grip the game for free or get the game and drums for free like I am off the free games website, like, uh, yeah, I'm getting Rock Band for nothing, essentially. Also, having compared them side by side, the Guitar Hero 3 Wireless Les Paul is a far better piece of hardware than the Rock Band guitar, I would say. How cross-compatible are they? Um, the Rock Band guitar on PS3 does not work in Guitar Hero 3 and, and vice versa or something like that. Or no, Rock Band works on Guitar Hero, but Guitar Hero doesn't work on Rock Band on <laughs> PS3. Weird. But I think on 360, since Microsoft controls the hardware, like I think they both had to meet the exact same specs. So I my Guitar Hero 3 guitar worked in Rock Band and it worked in Guitar Hero 3. That's very good considering the insane price of that sort of shit. Yeah, and it's it's a really nice piece of hardware. Like it's the 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 click action on the the strum and the buttons. And everything just feel real uh, feel better, and it's wireless. So I'd say the optimal configuration is you know the Rock Band drums, and then you could use an Xbox Live headset instead of buying the microphone, and you could uh, use the Guitar Hero 3 guitar instead of the Rock Band guitar, and get away with kind of a cheap Rock Band experience like that. So check into that, you know. I'm sure you guys have all gotten a chance to play it. You know what you want to do. Um, I did take a moment out of my schedule to play the latest Tony Hawk game on the DS. I was kind of curious. <laughs> I was curious how tenable something like Rapid Flying 3D worked on a DS screen, you know. Was it, was it playable? I'd say it's surprisingly playable and good, like... The mechanics and everything, the physics, all of it work up really well. It's just as fun as you remember it, and it has all the features of the later Tony Hawks. You know, it has all the manuals and the wall jumps and the... What the, about the Wi-Fi? Uh, have not played Wi-Fi. Yeah, but is it can it be done? I mean... What, I'm, what, I don't know. I didn't look. I'm still learning how man. to play, you know? That's, like, really important to me. I'm more interested in that than I am in, like... I'd rather it was 2D, like 720 or something, as long as I had the, you know, the, the Wi-Fi. Well, you can check it out on Google if it is or not. I'm just saying that the game is surprisingly playable. Like it's it's very solid. It it's easy to navigate. I didn't really get mad at the tiny screen or anything. It worked out just fine. <laughs> it's um, good because if you throw a DS light, yeah, it's toast. <laughs> I am still, you know, playing Jump Ultimate Stars. I'm still fucking unlocking Coma. God damn. <laughs> yeah, I know I am too. I don't play it that often, but I do play it sometimes and yeah. man, it's getting hard. Those Jeez. damn yellows. <laughs> yeah, I mean farming, you know, Gintama and Ninku and Eye Shield twenty one gets pretty tiresome. 
So then you like go through the tournament things where you fight twenty battles and you get like five hundred. Yeah, that's pretty gems much all I do. End. That's so much slower of a way to get gems though. Like the farming yields it so much quicker, but it's much more boring. So you gotta kind of decide which way you want to do it. Well, it requires more of your attention to do it that way, because you have to like go chase the gems down and all that. But then like if you get the battle one, it's like you can just kind of brainlessly bumble through it, and when in the end you get your reward. Because yeah. not too far into the game, you're going to have an unbeatable team. You know, the CPU is never going to be able to touch you. Yeah, not so really. So you, you can beat the 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 tournament modes. You can always I mean, try to set it three-on-one or something for a challenge. Um, anyway, I want to skip past that and talk about a, a game that is playable on the PC for Windows. Um, it is... It was made in RPG Maker 3, I believe. And it's called The Last Scenario. Uh, mm -hmm. The Last Scenario is a complete old-school RPG experience. You know, like, it's it feels just like a Super Nintendo game. It has an interesting art style. Some of the characters look kind of stupid, but, like, a lot of the bad guys look really neat. Like, you know, the big screenshot on the internet is a rock golem and... You know, you can see right away that the the guy spent a lot of time drawing assets for the game. So it looks really cool. Uh I wish people animated more when they attacked. They don't they don't at all. You know, like you you see your guys and you see the enemy and your guys just kinda flash and then the enemy, you know, gets scratched with the claws or whatever and does damage. Kinda wish your guys moved a little, but you know, it's it's made by just one guy, I believe. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can't yeah. really fault him for most of those old old school SNES games had like at least six guys. Yeah, like it, it's if not a hundred. It's an incredibly impressive effort. Um, the story starts off really typical and slow, and then begins to gradually accelerate to quality. And I mean, it it seems to be a lot more interesting than a lot of the Final Fantasies I've played. Um, not only do you get, like, the whole game, but there's also, much like Final Fantasy VIII, like a card game, like a complete tradable, collectible card game inside the game to, uh, to duel it out with as well. And you can then trade those cards in for items at stores. So there's even incentive to bother playing. But you don't have to. It's optional. Much like Final Fantasy VIII, you walk up, you press a different button than the talk button, and if they are willing to play cards, they'll say something different, you know. Um, so last scenario, I am eight hours in, and I'm really enjoying myself. I really like the game. I highly recommend everyone at least check it out. You know, if you're a Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger type fan, you know, this will take you right back to that feel. It's it very much captures the old school SNES feel, so highly recommended. Um, also, I've been playing a little bit of Battleships Forever. Uh, I've reviewed before on the show Warning Forever, which is like a homemade shooter that's just all bosses that constantly evolve. Battleships Forever is kind of a real-time space battle between a lot of ships that are in the Warning Forever drawing style. And it actually has a story that you advance through, and like you can target individual parts of ships and move a whole squad around. And it's all real time, and it's vector graphics, and it's it's fun and it's nice. Definitely worth checking out. One of the better freeware games I've played in a long time. 
Is that a Kenta Cho game? I don't know. Or, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not familiar with it. Whew. Man, I'm, uh, I'm out of breath. <laughs> okay, so now's a good time for the news then. Uh, a while ago we talked about a new dodgeball game coming out, a new downtown Cuneo dodgeball game. And that is always good. Uh, but here's something that's even a little bit more encouraging. Uh, it says, okay, that because a new do, new dodgeball game is coming out because Technos has been picked up by uh, somebody else at this point. I've actually forgotten. But uh, there was a post on Instagram credit some time ago saying, a new article from Dengeki states the Famicom Kunio series creators uh, are working with Dojin Circle's Miracle Kids and Downtown 7 to create new Kunio games, one of which, a Kunio dodgeball game for PC, was on sale at the Winter Comicette. They plan to sell it online at some point in the future, and it's got nothing to do with a dodgeball game being released by ARK. Oh, that's right. ARK is making <laughs> the new dodgeball game. Uh, now... Hopefully, this manifests itself in some other way than yet another dodgeball game um, down the line. Because the dodgeballs are cool and everything, but I'd really like to have a new real Kunio game. You know, a beat-em-up on the DS, you know. I mean, if they released it here for the DS as River City Ransom 2, like literally kept the original title, that shit would sell a million copies. Well, I don't know about a million, but a lot. It would do really well. Well, there's more DSs here than just about anything else ever. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, w- w- the last uh, beat-em-up game was, I think, on the Super Famicom that they made. Whereas the dodgeball games, they made one for Game Boy Advance, they made one for Neo Geo. Um, there's also, like, a fake one. From, there's a couple of, like, very similar to, to downtown dodgeball games, like... Um, that one that got released here is Excess Junior League Dodgeball or whatever. Oh, Dodge the Ball, I think it was actually called. <laughs> what? Uh, like, that one's kind of like Kunio. Uh, and then there's like a Chinese one for Windows that's kind of like Kunio. So we're kind of, I think we've got enough of the Dodgeball games. I, I'd like to have another River City Ransom thing or another Crash in the Boys. Yeah, no shit. I mean, people still remember River City Ransom here quite fondly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if. Like More finally than I do, because I, I didn't even play it when it was new. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I don't know if the uh, the guys that made it understood what a complete classic it is considered here. You know, everyone I've ever met, you know, whether I knew him as a kid or not, has played River City Ransom and thinks it's great. You know, so I think that name is still out there. No one's really you know ripped off the concept or anything. Just jump right into the DS, the same shit. You know, same kind of idea, like the whole town full of stores to buy new moves and just rock it. And thugs. Tons of thugs all wearing the matching shirts. And, you know, it's their turf. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully they'll do that. During the Famicom period, they cranked out a whole crap load of these games of all sorts of types, all these Kunio games. And then they, uh, then on Super Famicom, they did a few but after that, it just kind of like trickled out, and and now I think they they seem to think the only thing that has a continuing value is dodgeball, either that or it's much easier to make a dodgeball game. I don't know. I've but, not really played any of the Super Nintendo ones. Are they any good? Uh, Tachi no Banka is pretty good, the Jailbreak one. Um, that's I think the only one I've played. I actually have that cartridge. 
Uh, I think that's the only Super Nintendo one I played. Can you still really epically fuck people up like you can? Oh, way more. Answer? Yeah, yeah, way more. All right. Yeah, it has uh, specials, you know, like lightning kick. Oh man. <laughs> It, um, it's a little bit less SD, but it's still SD, so it's it's pretty good. Um, okay, so what I'm saying with this though is I hope that this dodgeball game sells a lot at Comic Cat or whatever, and and they decide to make a real Cuneo game. Um, here's something else. Uh, a while ago, some friends and I were talking about Golgo 13, you know, and I said something like, I I wouldn't be surprised if they did a Golgo 13 revival. Because it was such a huge show in the 70s and 80s, and and uh, manga more popular as a manga, I think, and new anime kind of blows, so, and they're always trying to like you know make it not blow. So I think they might revive it. And then like a week later, someone says that Anime News Network is talking about there's going to be a new Golgo 13 uh, show, TV show, based on the manga. Hopefully it'll be actually be good and not some sort of like creepy stoic fucked up thing like Blackjack OVAs are. I don't know. It has a horrible chance of being as, as lame as a Blackjack OVA. I hope it'll be better. <laughs> but Golgo 13 is basically the story about an assassin whose code name is Golgo 13, which is supposed to just strike fear into you because Golgo is short for Golgotha, which is the place where Christ was crucified, and 13 is a very unlucky number. So you know he's evil. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, hopefully that'll turn out well. I'm sure one of us will watch it uh, when it eventually comes out. And then something else. Um, this is kind of a sad moment here in a way. Um, on the show here a lot, I like to talk about the Turbo Graphics and the PC Engine. Um, and, and the way that machine came about was it was actually Hudson Soft's creation. The hardware was their creation, but they didn't really have the means to make it themselves, so they had NEC make it. NEC, a huge computer company in Japan. And so NEC basically sold it, and it was kind of a co-venture. And then in the U.S., NEC sold it here as a TurboGrafx, too. But when it started tanking, um, NEC lost interest, and it became a, a dual so a company called TTI came about, which was formed by ex-Hudson and NEC employees, maybe just ex-Hudson employees, I'm not sure. And they got on, they got into it as the duos and the Super CDs started coming out, like they took over. And then when that eventually caved um, and no new, no new software was coming out, it eventually shrunk down into this little company called TurboZone Direct, which was a place where you could buy brand new accessories and games and everything because it was... It was basically like a three-man operation, but at the same time was directly descended all the way back from NEC's involvement. So you always could buy new stuff, new games, or whatever. And up until last, up until this year, or last year, up until last year, you could still buy stuff from this TZD company, which I'm pretty sure is a record as far as console support goes. Since the system died in 94, that you can still buy brand new stuff from the original source, you know? Try buying, try buying a NES game from Nintendo. You know, they don't have that. They haven't had it in ages. Um, and the prices were always original retail or less, which meant they seemed kind of expensive, $30, $40 for an ancient game, but it was a brand-new shrink-wrapped copy of the game. So it was, a, you know, it was a good place to buy stuff from their limited and ever-dwindling inventory. Well, recently, it's changed hands yet again, and this time for the worst because 
what's happened is uh, what was left of TZD actually existed um, in a, as part of a guy's record store. I can't think of the name of the record store. But you know how the CD industry is doing these days. not so great. And uh, they eventually got to the point where they couldn't renew their lease. And I don't know if they went out of business or they moved or whatever, but they had to get rid of the TZD side of things. So they sold it to a famous uh, internet retailer, eBay retailer, um, Red Frog. And here's where things go really shitty, okay? Because for some reason, American Turbo stuff is very expensive now, like much more expensive and valuable than the Japanese releases, which makes no sense to me. But evidently that's how it is. And you know that that guy, because TZD eventually shrunk down to one guy, um, he had a few copies of things laying around that he didn't put up on the shop. Because let's say you've got one copy of Magical Chase, which people are paying $500 for. What are you going to do? Put it on your site for 40 bucks and have 100 people insist that they clicked on it first? You know, I mean, it's kind of whatever. He was keeping it around. He had a few things under the table. Nothing really wrong with that. And all that stuff, it seems, mostly ended up in the hands of Red Frog. And they have taken the eBay price-gouging ball and have run with it all the way to the end because the other day they posted a copy of Dynastic Hero, which is a pretty uncommon game because by the time it came out, I don't think there was any store you could actually buy it in except Die Hard. I think it was the only store you could actually buy it in. They posted it with a as a buy-it-now-only item with a price of $900. Now, I don't think they're actually going to move it at $900, but what it does sitting up there is it sort of brings up the prices of all the other copies of Dynastic Hero, which they may also own. We don't know how many copies they have. My theory is they have, like, one, which is why they put such an insane price on it, because, you know, maybe well, they don't... are they playing the reserve game where they're trying to see how high it will go so they can set the price of their next auction and around that, or...? No, I don't think so. I think they're beyond that. That that sort of eBay psychology is now antiquated. I think they put it on there at a price that it will never sell at because it sits there, and and by association brings up the value of all the other shit they're selling. Hmm. And it's the absolute highest price I've ever seen any American Turbo game for. for and Japanese games, I can't even fathom a single one. The most valuable Japanese game I can think of is maybe $250. Well, like what any other video game costs more than $900? Nothing. Uh, a couple Neo Geo cartridges, like Metal Slug 1, because there's only like 20 of them, is very valuable. It's like a thousand bucks or something. Yeah, um, I mean, there's that like, that gold Nintendo cartridge that there's only three of in the world. Yeah, yeah. That's not even a release. <laughs> That's like 25 grand, but as outside long as, of like, that... Things that are actually released, uh, Brickinger is very valuable for Neo Geo CD. It never got released as a cartridge. But even that's only like a few hundred dollars, maybe. And the thing is, this game isn't worth $900. But like I said, it, it not only brings up the value of any other copy of Dynastic Hero by being on there and sitting there and tricking people, basically, but it also brings up the value of any other American Turbo release, which they have a huge cache of. And it's pretty scummy. It, honestly, because <laughs> the old TZD could have just put that on their site for $900 and said, hey, dicks. Of course, it might have been a contract violation to do so. But, the, you know, it was it's incredibly uncool. And 
really, I think, I, I understand, I had a feeling this was going to happen, but I didn't know it was going to be that bad. Because nobody values, I mean, nobody I know that collects American Turbo games values that game at even half of that. But I think they're trying to set this runaway turbo price guide thing even more crazy because people are attracted to wasting money like if you tell somebody like if neo geo games didn't cost 300 dollars, i don't think the system would have lasted 12 years or whatever i think it just would have petered out but but you when you put that huge price on there you like instantly label it hardcore and oh it's very expensive stuff i see <laughs> tell me more <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's things like that that just you know I wish a lot of people would get out of the their own councils and just make the games for other systems and be content with that, you know? I, I kind of wish that's where Sony was at, you know? I wish they weren't really trying so hard with the PS3. It'd be just kind of nice if PS3 games were just instead all Xbox games and we just rolled from there, you know? Or, like, the Wii doesn't really need to be a console. It, it's really just a controller. That's the only unique <laughs> thing about it. Like, yeah. Well, at least it, it is released... a controller. The PS3 doesn't even deserve to exist, period. Well, I, mean, I mean, it doesn't like... do anything the 360 doesn't do. And plays, it has shitty game libraries. Plays so Blu-ray. Uh, oh, yippee. Uh, like that. <laughs> Who gives plays Blu-ray. <laughs> it's that's got easily, wireless card built-in. That's easily built in. fixed. Uh, it's got built-in wireless. It plays Blu-ray. Yeah, but that that's pretty pathetic. And it's it lets you like put files on the hard drive. I think those are the three big things that it does. Oh, and it cures cancer or whatever. Oh, yes, it does, yes. cures cancer and so. uh, other things, hair loss. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, like, literally, like, it, it's native feature or whatever of just sitting around, like, doing math for science or whatever, like, when you're not playing games on it. Like, it's trying to, I don't know, it's trying to cure cancer or something like well, that. Well, it's like a, a SETI at home thing? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know anything about that. Are you bullshitting yep. me? <laughs> no, the PS3 holds the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest, um, like, multi-computer ever made. Because all the PS3s in the world are trying to cure cancer. So it's the largest, like, computer-powered network ever. Well, you know, it's a joke because I made a joke about how it cured cancer before it came out. Because <laughs> yeah. people, like, they overvalue new machines so much. Like, no, they only become valuable when they have a large installed base, you know? Yeah, but, but I mean, it's just like, it's kind of like, Sony, do you need to make systems? Why bother? You know? Well, because they but, like having their hands in every pot they can. It's like, let let Microsoft go through all the headaches of losing money on consoles and shit. Like, why don't you just make the cash from being the game developer? Well, I that think seems to did, be the smarter way. They did have something to offer the 32-bit generation, which was, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of... PS1, especially early PS1, but they really did make the first 3D system that you could actually stand to play the games on. Yeah, I, I mean, mean they, they kind of they... brought a mess into a co into a nice neat pile. Right, and, but the PS2 know, and the PS3 certainly didn't do that. <laughs> right, because the GameCube sucked. I mean, there wasn't very much good on the GameCube. A very small percentage of their games were any good. Why? Because Nintendo has no fucking quality control. Nintendo well, Nintendo has to... quality control, but they only make so many games. You know, the vast majority. No, no, no. Of... I mean, like they don't, they don't disallow licensing. Oh. You know, like they'll. You mean they'll that let... Beyblade game I have? <laughs> they'll let anyone never should have got make made. Whatever. You know, and like, I think Nintendo should would do a lot of good for themselves if they stopped the shovelware. You know, like, I mean, sixty percent of all, or seventy, or eighty percent of Wii games are just shovelware. Like, why not? put a stop to that because that makes the Wii look bad 
you know? Yeah, it Why does, but they're in a bad situation because if they, if they do that, then that also discourages these companies. They're all in it for profit. They don't know the difference between shovelware and, and no more heroes. Yes, and, they do. No, they, they know, don't the, know fucking the difference. difference. The guy that makes... You know, Carnival Games knows that he's not making no more heroes. He's not in the dark about that. <laughs> it's not like this is fucking rules. This is gonna make mad loot. But you if know. you if you discourage these people, see, they never used to have this problem because during the Famicom era, there was tons of shovelware, but there was also tons of really good stuff. And how do you decrease the shovelware without just making developers say fuck it? Because if you say no crap, then like half the Sonic games are not gonna be able to make it. To, well, like to the Nintendo thing is, machines because half of them suck now. Well, those are those are even valid attempts at games. I'm talking about shit like Ninja Breadman. You know, shit that's not even really a game. It's so terrible. No, I think the worst stuff is a multi-platform licensed crap. That's the stuff that really brings down the cube, like the cube, for example. You know, you get your one copy of Smash Brothers, and then you get a Power Rangers, a Bond game, a football game, a some other a Turok, and all that other shit that's not only garbage. But it's on all the other machines too, and it ruins the the brand. And then when you go to the store and like, oh, I think I'll get a GameCube game. Well, guess what? Everybody bought all the good shit, and now there's nothing but crap on the shelf. And you actually start forgetting like Alien Hominid, which is awesome. That won't be at the store. They'll just be a fucking Bond game that sucks. And you start thinking the system sucks even more than it does because you you're not you've forgotten about all the good stuff. Yeah, but the Wii has its huge library of unique awful games. <laughs> which is even worse. You know, like, it's okay if everyone's got the same bad game, but when you have your own special library of terrible that's only on your system, like, that shows that you care less about what's on your system than the other developers. Ninja Breadman didn't come out for anything else but Wii. You know? <laughs> it's it's terribleness is unique to the Wii. Like, I think, I think developers should maybe be a little more careful. Like, I understand that they get paid the same licensing fee either way, so it's just money in their pocket. You know, Microsoft still gets money no matter who makes the Xbox game, no matter what fucking game it is. They still get their license fee. It would be kind of nice, like if you look at um, the Neo Geo and the Neo Geo Pocket, they both had really small libraries. Like I think there's only like 109 Neo Geo games in between 1990 and and 2001 or whatever. I mean, there's like nothing, but almost all of them, or at least good to very good. And only like four of them are terrible, you know. Exactly. But that's because they made all of them <laughs> for the most part. It was either SNK or it was ADK. And there's only right. just a few really third-party. And I'm games. saying, let's make the Wii like that. Well, it'd be nice, you know? but it doesn't make very what, much money. Well, it does, though, because the Wii sold, you know, 11 million units, right? Each one at zero or slightly profit. Okay, so they're flush with Wii money. All right, they sold 9 million Wii plays, okay? okay. Wii Fit. Wii Fit is, like, huge. Right. They're selling millions of Wii Fit. Like, they're they're taking care of themselves. They don't really yeah. need the money from the pitiful sales of Ninja Breadman to cover the fucking Wii. Like, the Wii is fine on its own. Why not just make it a Nintendo system that plays only Nintendo games and have the only games on it be Mario, Zelda, Wii Sports, Mario Party. Like, have it just be the fucking Nintendo system and not not even bother with this huge library of bullshit. What I find frustrating is when I used to work at a game store, um, parents 
buy their kids a game at Christmas time or whatever. And the kid might only, I mean, most a lot of kids only get like one game a year or two games a year or something. Yeah, that's so, how my childhood was. Yeah, so this one game should be very good, right? And so like they come into the store and they're going to buy a game and they could have got, I don't know, Pokemon something or they could have got Mario or they could have got Smash Brothers and they end up getting something like Bratz, you know? And it's which is just terrible and is gonna erode the souls of their kid completely. Uh and the it's like you bought Bratz. I wish Bratz wasn't even on this fucking machine. <laughs> because exactly. your kid's Bratz not gonna have your kid's not gonna enjoy Bratz for a year until he gets another game. You're gonna have to give him something a little solid, you know, like Mario sixty four. It takes an eight year old three years to beat Mario sixty four. <laughs> so that's the kind of shit they should be buying. Yeah, I don't know. Because I remember, that's why I just I kind of wish there was more quality control from Nintendo's standpoint. I mean, Nintendo seal of quality or whatever, like it should mean something, and it, it right now it doesn't. It doesn't mean it, jack. It, it means no pornography, and the game must boot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's about it. And I press the button. Does the game boot? Like, well, kind of. At least fifty percent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Seal of quality. Great. Great whole Nintendo game, ooh. <laughs> you know, like just I don't know. I wish they, I wish they tried a little harder than they do. They don't try very hard. Um, I mean, not to say that there's not bad games for the 360 and the PS3, especially the PS3. PS3 has got a big library of terrible games. Mostly, I haven't hardly played anything on PS3. In it's, fact, it, it's I developers like struggling to put something out for it. Anything. <laughs> you know? Well, I I watched somebody play the demo for that, what is it, Uncharted or something like that? Right, Uncharted. I was know, not exactly games. blown away by that. I mean, it was neat. Well, like, you watch it, someone play a demo. That's not really indicative of you playing the final product. A little bit different. It thing. should be somewhat. I mean, it's supposed to sell the game, right? They're only showing me the well, cool stuff, right? Demos are typically like not always good. There are good demos and there are bad demos. You know. Some demos make you want to go out and get the game. Some demos are not real indicative of the final product. Like uh, the Burnout Paradise demo turned off a lot of people. And the developer came out and he's like, look, guys, it was just a demo. Like, please try the final product before you write off my game because this is like my masterpiece. And then people tried and they were like, oh, oh, okay, I guess it is a good game. Whoops. I like it when the demo is better than the game. Like um, Fighting Force... Or was it Fighting Force 2? Like, they had it... That's like a 3D brawler, like Dynamite Deca. And you, and you could, like... In the demo, you could, like, beat these people up and knock them into traffic and run around the cars and try to hit you and shit. And, then like, when the final game came out, there's, like, an invisible wall between you and the road and you can't even go into the road because they didn't have enough memory or something. <laughs> like I don't bouncer. know why they didn't... <laughs> remember the fucking Bouncer demo? Uh, I played the Bouncer demo, but I don't remember it. <laughs> Like, well, like the original demo that they showed, like, for all the man, it had, like, people, like, grabbing chairs off the tables and throwing them in and, like, throwing them into the bar. And you get the final game and, like, none of that shit is possible at all. It's, like, just a really bland beat-em-up that I still beat six times for no reason. Because <laughs> it was short. It didn't take long. So. Hell, the whole game is short. I beat it, like, six times in one run or something. Like, it was no big deal. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, like, I just, I kind of wish, you know, things were a little bit more focused towards not letting everything through the gate on Nintendo's end. I think 
I mean, the Wii is a disappointment to a lot of people. Uh, it hasn't really lived up to its sales numbers. It's all hype. You know, there's not like a big library of fun things to play on the Wii at all. Well, it's not. It's not all hype, but it's. It's I mean, not. It's not a well-rounded machine. It's not a PS2 at this point. You know. You, I mean, you <laughs> or got anything like that. You got Mario Galaxy, and that's only if you really want to play Mario games. Uh, then you got what Metroid Prime. You got. Uh, uh, well, people love No More Heroes. They're like freaking uh, out about not that. Not really. No More Heroes is only getting mild. I don't think it'll sell big. I, don't, I wouldn't call that. Well, a I don't game. think it'll sell big either. It's from Grasshopper Manufacturer. Um, All their stuff tanks, <laughs> regardless of how good it is. Um, what else is a major title? I mean, you're gonna have. Uh, we got the Smash Brothers coming out, yeah. Um, and... Zelda was, sold a lot, but oh, I yeah. thought it sucked. Twilight Princess. There you I, go. So. I, I would have to say that is one of my least favorite Zelda games. So I mean, there's less than eight good games for the Wii. A whole year after its release, there's not probably even eight good games for it. Well, there there might be a couple multi-platform ones we're forgetting. Because they're so forgettable. Like, isn't is Burnout on it? I don't think so. Resident Evil's on it, though, right? You can play that. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. Resident <laughs> Evil 4. A lot of people love Resident Evil 4. Yeah, it's true. They, they do. I don't I don't like really playing games where I get stressed out, you know? Hmm, where it's yeah. like, I'm constantly like, you know, oh, shit, what's around the next corner? Oh, shit. Like, I don't... I'm not a huge fan of being very stressed out by my game-playing experience, so... I like being That's why baffled, I didn't like Bioshock like being... that much. You know, Bioshock's a very depressing, stressful environment with which to interact, and it just didn't really make me want to be there, you know? You're not that, like, I don't know, it, just, it was okay. I just really couldn't get into Bioshock. And uh, so I didn't wind up buying it or playing it. Maybe I will someday, but... You won't hear me talking about a lot of, like, survival horror games or anything like that, because it's not really <laughs> my style. No, no. Well, with that, I think we've delivered the contents. It was a good, solid hour of Game Face Radio. And I hope that was worth the wait. Huh? <laughs> I hope that was worth it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm well, we'll see when up. this episode comes out, and then we'll see how <laughs> worth the wait it was. <laughs> we'll cue up the outro. <laughs> Is that the outro? Damn, I'm sorry. <laughs> I assume the real outro was playing <laughs> over my bad imitation of the outro. It could in post. It would definitely be in post. This, this show is always much better in post, right? Uh, probably. Sounds like crap. Better. Oh, God, I almost forgot. Over the credits, I'll just shout this out. I've got a project coming up, uh, a new a new venture. LifeLifeComics.com. Uh, you can check it out. I just got a little demo page up, but uh, there will be content hitting there, hopefully by the end of March. So LifeLifeComics.com, new Croy Kaze venture. Feel free to check it out um, when it's up. It's, there's not much there right now, just an image. But I uh, just thought I'd toss that out there, and I will plug it probably in a future show when I've got it up and running. So, with that, I know I'm out. Okay, that's it. I need to go shoot the dog with the scorpion again.